Good morning. And Merry Christmas. This is the time when Christians throughout the world celebrate the birth of the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. 100% God and 100% man and one person forever without diminishing either deity or true humanity. He is the uniquely born one. He is the only being ever to come from the miracle of a virgin conception. You always hear people talking about the virgin birth, but really the issue was the virgin conception. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the only begotten one. He was not created. He came from the source as the Son of God the Father. He's not adopted as sons as we believers are. He's the Savior of the whole world, and He's the Jewish Messiah. There is so much to say about my favorite being, and one of the most significant things we can say about Him is that Jesus Christ is God. And at Barah Ministries, we make a difference by teaching his exact thinking, the Word of God, from God's perspective, from his perspective, and not from man's perspective. So the Barah Ministries Christmas lesson, are you receiving or rejecting the Savior God sent to you? Are you receiving or rejecting the Savior God sent to you? Well, that's the single most important question every person must answer in this life. How many people do you think are bothering to even think about that question during this holiday season? The lure of commercialism is seductive. I remember back to one of my favorite movies, The Miracle on 34th Street, and Albert, the guy, one of the kids who was playing Santa Claus, said, You know, Chris, there's a lot of isms in the world, but the waste of them is commercialism. And that is the truth. And we are lured by this seductive commercialism, mistletoe and holly, shopping, lights, Christmas trees, gingerbread houses, Black Friday. The sounds and the smells of Christmas are much more real to people than the Messiah. Oh, I get a chance to be with family. What a great time to be with people that I can't stand for a disgusting period of time over a meal that's going to make me sleepy and want to fall on the couch and get into a coma. It's beautiful. Uh, But what makes Christmas merry for me is Christ. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says this, A child will be born to us, this incredible gift. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, not on the President of the United States' shoulders. The government of the whole universe rests on his shoulders, And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Yes, that's what we celebrate today. If you've ever wondered where the term Christmas comes from, it comes from Christ. Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah. He is God, deity in his very person taking on the form of true humanity as a human being, living here on planet Earth for 33 years to accomplish a divine mission. John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, And the Word, and the Word is a reference to the Lord, God the Son, became flesh, Jesus Christ, and He lived among us for a while. That's why we call Him the Lord Jesus Christ. We call Him the Lord because He is God. We call Him Jesus Christ because he is truly human. He lived among us for a while, and we, and that's John referring to himself in the third person, 
and we beheld his glory. John was an apostle, and the apostles saw this one-of-a-kind glory, the resurrected Jesus Christ, glory as of the only Son from God the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And so Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem, and I have been to Bethlehem. And what you do when you go to Israel, if you want to go into Bethlehem, which is Palestine, and the Israelis and the Palestinians are enemies, you have to be taken to the border of Palestine by a Jewish tour guide, and he turns you over to a Palestinian tour guide so that you can cross into Palestine. And then you walk past a bunch of tanks with some 17-year-olds with AK-40s, and there are just hundreds of them amassed at the border to protect the border. And then you get a ride down into the little one-horse town called Bethlehem. And I think I told you guys this in the past, but it's always a funny story, so I want to tell it. So uh, the people that were on the tour with me, there was a woman who was a lawyer from Washington, D.C., and to put it nicely, she was an asshole. (laughs) And, you know, there are three places that you can go in Israel. There's the Jewish quarter, there's the Christian quarter, and there's the Muslim quarter. And... The, the tour guide we had was Jewish, so he was trying to steer us to the two of those that were the safest. Of course, our a lawyer friend wanted to go down the one that was not particularly safe, and she kept grinding him about it, and she kept complaining about it, and I finally said, would you shut up your mouth? He's trying to protect us. Just shut up about it. I'm tired of hearing your mouth. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Shut up. Her mom was with her, and her mom laughs a little bit. So anyway, we get over into Bethlehem, and we go to a shop, because whenever you're on these tours, they always take you to some place where you can spend all your money, or you can buy stuff. So we go into the shop, and the shop owner is just enamored with her. And the shop owner offered her mom 15 goats and 20 sheep for her hand in marriage right there in the shop. And I am selling that hard. It's like, yes, you can have her right now. She can stay right here. But anyway, that's Bethlehem. It's a little one-horse town in the middle of nowhere. It's a no no place, nothing place. That's where our Savior was born. And Bethlehem means bread of life or life bread. And Jesus described himself this way in John chapter 6, verses 33 And 35, here's what he said. For the bread of God the Father is the bread which comes down from heaven. That's him referring to himself, leaving heaven as deity to take on the form of true humanity. And the bread which comes down out of heaven gives the resurrection life, eternal life, the Zoe life to the world. John 3.35, Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life. He always used that term, I am. He is the great I am. And that means I exist. I existed in the past, I exist now, and I will always exist. So Jesus said to the crowd, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Our amazing God, and every one of you who is listening to this message is a fabulous creation of the Almighty God. 
John chapter 1, verse 3 says this, All things ever created came into being through the Lord, God the Son, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being, including you. In Psalm 139, 14, King David says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, for I am uniquely and marvelously made. That's you. You are uniquely and marvelously made. You have been in the mind of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all eternity, by name, personally. And wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. God has a personal plan for your life. According to Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, the very hairs on your head is, are all numbered. The Lord knows you intimately. He knows everything about you, and he knows much more about you than you will ever know. You're going to do things in your life that are so disgusting that it's going to offend you that you even did it. And the Lord knew about it before he even brought you to the earth. A privilege of this life is to learn God's plan for all mankind and his personal plan for you. But the bad news is you were born with a problem. You were born a sinner. You were born physically alive and spiritually dead. You were born on the wrong side of a barrier called sin, a barrier that keeps you from having a relationship with God. You were born without hope, and you are helpless to do anything to solve this destiny-altering dilemma on your own. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, the Bible says this, All in union with Adam at physical birth, and that is every human being who comes to earth, are set to die the second death in the lake of fire. That's what the meaning of what you'll see when you look at most translations of this verse. It will say, in Adam, all die. Second half of the verse, in Christ shall all be made alive. In Christ shall all have a chance at the Zoe life. But anyway, the meaning of in Adam, all die is that at physical birth, uh, you're set to die the second death on the lake of fire. But spiritual death is a barrier to your relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Remember, at that time, you Gentiles were separate from Christ, excluded from the nation of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise. And there were four promises that were made to the Jewish race. The Abrahamic promise the Palestinian promise, the Davidic promise, and the new covenants of promise. And so the Gentiles did not have that. And we are Gentiles. We didn't have that at one time. We had no hope, and we were without a relationship with God in the world. In other words, we were in a desperate situation. That is the situation that everybody is in at physical birth. And whether they know it or not, they are in a desperate situation helpless and hopeless to do anything to get themselves out of that situation. But the good news is that God the Father, being the compassionate parent that he is to all mankind, sent God the Son into the world as the only solution to your sin problem. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, God the Father demonstrates his own unconditional love toward all mankind, and that while we were yet sinners... While we were unrighteous, ungodly, unbelievers, Jesus Christ died a sacrificial death for us. 
would you die for somebody who was your enemy? God did. He has always had you in mind, and it was always his intention to go and do whatever it took to make sure that you were saved. And as Jesus told a religious Pharisee in John chapter 3, verse 3, Truly, truly, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, say to you, Nicodemus, that unless you're born again, the spiritual birth, you cannot see the kingdom of God the Father in heaven. And that was a shock to a Pharisee who had studied the Old Testament scriptures for 20 years, and he had missed the very most important thing, just like he was missing it, that he was standing in front of the sovereign God of the universe. He had missed in all of his study that very important thing, that you have to be born again, the spiritual birth. Well, good news is Nicodemus did believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus will be in heaven, and you, believers in Christ, will meet him one day. Now, to receive the gift of eternal life, then you must reject spiritual death. And Jesus Christ is the way out of spiritual death. John chapter 14, verse 6 Jesus said to the doubting Apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth of the Word of God, the gospel message. I am the resurrection life, eternal life, the Zoe life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. John chapter 3, verse 17. God the Father did not send God the Son into the world as the Lord to become Jesus Christ to judge the world. But God the Father sent the Son into the world that the world might be saved through him. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God the Father sent his Son to save us. You live in a world that encourages you all day, every day, all year, 365 days a year, to reject a relationship with your Savior. Do you? You live in a world that encourages you to have a do-it-yourself spiritual lifestyle. If you just work hard enough, you can please God enough that you can save yourself. Sorry, is that your choice? Is your choice to get involved in religion that tries to convince you that you can do work to save yourself? All of us have made that lousy journey. Well, God has provided holidays all throughout the world, a pause an invitation for you to stop for a moment to make a life-changing decision. In the United States, the holidays are called Christmas and Easter. And the Word of God makes your holiday task clear. In John chapter 20, verse 31, it says this, These things written here in the Bible have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God in human form, And that by believing in him, you might have the resurrection life, eternal life, in his name. The single most important decision that you make in this life is whether you reject or receive a relationship with the Savior sent to you by God the Father to rescue you from your life-altering dilemma of spiritual death at physical birth. So what's your choice? The sound choice is in Acts 16.31. It encourages you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. If you reject the Savior, whom God the Father has sent to you, there are eternal consequences. John chapter 3, 
Verse 36 warns, He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life, eternal life, right at that moment. If you're a believer in Christ, you actually possess that right now. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. And God does not want anyone to go to the lake of fire. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of. Instead, he's patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance, which is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you receive the Savior whom God the Father has sent to you, there is not eternal consequence. There, are, there is an eternal celebration. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But whosoever received him, to them the Lord Jesus Christ gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in his name. We are here to celebrate the great decision we have made as believers in Christ to receive his so great salvation. We're here to invite those who have rejected Jesus Christ to make the same great decision as we have. And this is the significance of Christmas. This is the holiday we celebrate at this most wonderful time of the year. Go ahead, clap. You can clap. That was good. You know that was good. All right, let's hear some music. Let's hear some music. So despite all the trials and tribulations Job went through, he still knew the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth to be our Redeemer. And here's what Job had to say in Job chapter 19, verse 25. He said, As for me, Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. As our Redeemer, the Lord accomplished our Redemption. What is redemption? It is to be released by payment, to be freed by ransom, freedom from whatever is holding us captive, and it takes a payment to do it. Well, we celebrate Jesus' first coming as a baby where he freed us from our slavery to sin. We celebrate Jesus' second coming as King of kings and Lord of lords when he will take over control of planet Earth again. Job was right. Indeed, our Redeemer lives. Here's June Murphy to tell us about the Lord's mission. He came from Christmas to the cross. Every boy and every girl 
He came from Christmas to cross From the virgin birth to death and resurrection He came that no one need be lost He came from Christmas to the cross member of the Godhead, member of the Trinity. He is life eternal. He came to set us free, holds all power in his hands, creator of all things. He's the beginning and the end, the sovereign king. virgin birth to death and resurrection he came that no one need be lost he came from Christmas to the cross he's the way the truth the life no one comes to the father but through him just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation will be yours. Then you belong to Him. He came from Christmas to the cross, from the virgin birth to death and resurrection. He came that no. Heavenly Father, we come here before you today with hearts full of gratitude because you see fit to fill our lungs with air today so that we may have life, both physical life 
and a resurrection life. And we appreciate it that you sent your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be the propitiation for our sins. He satisfied your need for the just handling of the sin problem. He kept us from being targets of your wrath. His work at the cross, the shedding of his blood as the payment for sins, is the only satisfactory sacrifice for sin in your eyes. There's no way for us to repay you or your son for your generosity. And as we recall his birth and his life on earth today, help us to understand the significance of, the, of your son's first advent and encourage us to share his gospel message with the whole world, one person at a time. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. The Brahm Ministries Christmas lesson is, are you receiving or rejecting the Savior that God sent you? Are you receiving or rejecting the Savior that God sent to you? Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you received his free gift of salvation? John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, whosoever received him, That is, whosoever accepted his invitation to believe in Christ, to them the Lord Jesus Christ gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Christ's name. Many who have inhabited this earth, billions, have rejected the offer of salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this, Since the creation of the world, the Lord's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature Keep on being clearly seen by everyone, being understood even through what has been made, that is, as reflected in the things of nature, so that all mankind is without excuse in the matter of knowing of the existence of the Lord. There are a lot of people who are just too busy to take time to think about their eternal salvation. And even those of us who are believers in Christ... We're too busy many times to study the Word. You know, we got all, the, all these other things to do other than getting that into us. And I'll tell you what that looks like because I had a week that was like that. What it looks like is you are frenetic and scrambled and hurting and you have no rudder on you. That's what happens when you miss your study of the Word, when you don't have quite enough of it in your soul to battle the constant attack that you receive from the kingdom of death and darkness, the constant pelting of your mindset that encourages you to quit, that encourages you to stay away, that encourages you to be spotty in your approach to getting the word in you. That's what happens to us believers. We're saved. We received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But we drift away from the word and we start looking for human solutions to our problems. And I was, uh, I, I, I was uh, asked to do a test this week about your, the, an imprint that you have that affects your relationships. You know, and, and so you know, they have these categories that you could, you're a pleaser or you're an avoider or you're a vacillator or you're, a, a, you, know, you know what I mean. They, uh, the, your love language is meh. And, and it's stuff that's always trying to give you an identity. And so where do, the, where do those things always look? They always look to the past. And they always bring up, oh, it's your parents' fault. 
Of course, everything is your parents' fault. Of course it is. I, as a parent, am experiencing that right now. Everything, every malady that my kids have is me. Because it certainly couldn't be their choices. So it's got to be me. You know, I dropped them on their head. I was just a little bit too mean, you know, when they were coming along. I smashed their Game Boy, you know, to make a point. Or, or I threatened to throw them off a balcony in Hawaii. All right. Like, look, if you're a parent and you're going to throw your kid off a balcony, it's best to do it in Hawaii, isn't it? That's a $1,000 flight right there. Why would you complain about getting thrown off a balcony in Hawaii? I could have thrown you off a balcony in Mesa, right here. Second floor, 1220 South, I'm a school street, road, whatever the hell. So, anyway, you know, we're just funny. We're worried about all the little kids in Africa. Okay, well, Jesus Christ, this is fine and good for us who are in America, but what about all the little kids in the middle of Africa? Believe me, don't worry about the little kids in the middle of Africa. They're getting more evangelism. They pay more attention to Christ than people in America, us softies, ever do. But Romans one twenty tells us that there's no way to escape it, that there is a God. There's no way to escape it. Romans chapter 1, verse 25 describes these rejectors of Christ. It says, those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness, and that's a perfect description of unbelievers, their life is a practice of ungodliness and unrighteousness, exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, Satan, the deceiver, liar, rather than worshipping and serving the Creator, the Lord, who created the creature, rather than serving He who is blessed forever. Amen? Amen. It's puzzling. Once you examine the evidence, why anyone would reject a relationship with Christ, yet most people, and I did say most people, who come to the earth reject a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not kidding when he said the road is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who find it. He was not kidding. And narrow is the road that leads to the resurrection life and there are few who find it. He wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding when he said, it would be easier for a camel to slip through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. He wasn't kidding. Why is that? Because he has a certain restriction on wealthy people? No, it's because people who are wealthy don't pay any attention to Christ. What do they need with Christ? Ask the Laodicean believers. We don't need Christ. We've got sheep, and we dye their wool black, and we sell it. We've got all we need. We don't have any need of Christ. That's what rich people are like. That's not life. You can't take the money with you. But there are a lot of people who think that making money is the most amazing thing in the world. It's actually fun to make money. It's actually fun to do things that increase your bank account. But all it makes you, all it does is it turns you from a jerk into a rich jerk. That's all it does. Because you're the same person without the money that you are with the money. And that's that. So, you know, sometimes making money is just you showing yourself that you can accomplish things, and that's the scoreboard. But otherwise, what is it? It's just a tool. 
And here's the thing. You buy stuff, and then what do you do? After you buy it, oh, that's so good, and then you set it around. And we don't use half of the stuff we buy. And then it ends up in a garage sale, and some very astute person who ain't bu- is waiting for you to put that hair dryer over in the garage sale. Amen? Yeah. They get that hair dryer for $2, and you pay like $900 for the hair dryer. It's crazy. Anyway, the coming of the Lord was foretold by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah and a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament. In specifically Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, here's what it says. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you religious Jews a sign concerning what to look for in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God's not sneaking up on anybody. He gave them 109 things to see to, so that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the Messiah. Everybody's always saying, well, what if nobody knew about Christ? If you don't know about Christ, you have your head somewhere where you can't find him. Amen? Everybody knows about Christ. All over the world. I've been all over the world. I have never mentioned Christ once. Not once where people hadn't heard of who he is. And they all have an opinion about him. Oh, he's a great teacher. Oh, he's a great rabbi. Oh, he's a very learned man. Uh, no, he's, he's actually God. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, isn't it good that you don't? Isn't it good that you know what you don't believe? You reject the fact that God the Father sent you a Savior. That's awesome. So cut and dried. So clear. I hope you have stock in asbestos. I hope you like warm. You should come and visit me in Phoenix and see if you like warm weather, because you're going to have it. It's beautiful. So. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you religious Jews a sign concerning what to look for in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel means God with us. There is one of the signs, God with us, a virgin having a baby. How does that happen? Ah, has has. Has that ever happened before, that a virgin had a baby? No. It's even ridiculous to even suggest that, which lets you know it's from God because everything about him is absolutely ridiculous. And it requires you to place your faith. Can you imagine if Joseph was black and his wife came home and said, God made the baby? Can you imagine that? That's never going to happen. Right? Because he'd have beat her to death with a cue stick. Amen? Nobody ever likes it when I joke about Mary. I don't know what it is. It's like all of you guys must have been Catholic. Oh, don't talk about the Virgin Mother like that. She's the Mother of God. All of you must be Roman Catholic. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. I was Roman Catholic for 21 years, so you Catholics just calm way down. I'm not bagging on you much. I'd save that for a little later. Hang on. So, Emmanuel means God with us. There's a sign, one of the 109. The world knew what to look for. They were going to look for the story of a virgin whose name was Mary who had a baby. 
And Mary gave birth to the Lord's humanity. Mary is not the mother of God, as Roman Catholics believe. If she was the mother of God, she would have had to precede God. No one preceded God. She's the mother of Jesus Christ's humanity. Mary is no different from women of today. Mary is no more special than the women sitting right here in Baran Ministries. She is just a woman who was granted a grace gift, and the grace gift was that she was going to give birth to Jesus Christ's humanity without having sex. So before the birth of Jesus Christ, there was a miraculous occurrence. So before the virgin birth, was this amazing thing outlined in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And the question you ask yourself is, how did the virgin get pregnant? Let's find out. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, the Greek word is, uh, it, it translated into English really is betrothed. When she was betrothed, to Joseph, and that is a legal contract, the absolute equivalent of marriage. It's not like engaged, like we get engaged, oh, look, I'm engaged, I got a ring. It's not that. This was a legal contract that if you wanted to get out of it, there was a legal process you had to follow to get out of it. And by the way, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17 traces his genealogy. So if you, if you think that this was some chance occurrence. Just watch that genealogy, which was predicted. And the chances of that prediction coming true are the chances of you winning the lottery five times in your lifetime. And as you already know, winning the lottery once is virtually impossible. So the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and before they had sexual intercourse, uh, the, the translators, before they came together. <laughs> before they had sexual intercourse, sorry to rock your world, she was found to be with child. She was pregnant by the agency of God the Holy Spirit, Matthew 1.19. And Joseph, her husband, and there is no word husband in Greek, so it was literally her betrothed man, And Joseph, her betrothed man, being a righteous man, which means he's a believer in Christ, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to divorce her secretly. That may be unusual to you. How could Joseph believe in Christ? Because the Old Testament believers believed in Jehovah Elohim, the Lord, who came to earth to be the Christ. And Joseph just happened to be the human father of the Christ, the Messiah. What a privilege that was for him, although he didn't think so. He didn't think so because his wife was pregnant, and he knew he didn't do nothing. <laughs> What'd you say? Have the baby, come on. Oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, he, that's exactly what Joseph wanted. Joseph wanted a paternity test. But he didn't need a paternity test because he knew he hadn't done anything with Mary. They had not come together. So, anyway, what Joseph's plan was, he was a believer in Christ, a righteous man, but he didn't want to disgrace Mary. Why not? He didn't want to shame her. Why not? 
He loved her. You guys, a bunch of old married people in here. I don't know why. Why is that? I'd have done it. <laughs> Got to have the young person say, because he loved her. <laughs> he did. So what he planned to do is he planned to divorce her secretly. Matthew one twenty. But when Joseph had considered this, this secret divorce, while pondering the dilemma he was in, because he was going to be embarrassed by this tremendously, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Matthew one twenty, continuing, saying, Joseph, son of David, and that was a reminder to him that he is nobility from the lineage of King David, do not be afraid, because it's not a problem to take Mary as your wife, literally as his betrothed woman. There was no word wife in Greek either. For the child who has been conceived in her is from the source of God the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 121, Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he and no other will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.22, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet in Isaiah 7.14, which you've already heard. But here it is again, Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and will bear a son, and Joseph shall call his name Emmanuel, as he was instructed, which translated means God with us. The virgin conception. Matthew chapter 1 Verse 24, And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph called his name Jesus. The non-spiritual world has a name for this phenomenon. It's called parthenogenesis. It's the development of an egg into a life without fertilization by a male. See, God doesn't expect us to believe every bit of crap he, he, he says just out of blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith in God's plan. God's plan of faith is you place your confidence in something he says or in the object of your faith after inspection, not blindly. So when we return from the break, we'll take the offering and then during the break, we'll hear a couple of great Christmas songs. One of them is Christmas Time is Here by Ray Parker Jr. That's one of my favorites. And the other is the Christmas song by Nat King Cole. Blessing to be with the 
the spirit Cause Christmas time is here Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to
so I'm offering the simple phrase to kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to Welcome back. The Barah Ministries Christmas lesson, are you receiving or rejecting the Savior God sent to you? Are you receiving or rejecting the Savior God sent to you? Well, this is the season of receiving, not giving. God the Father loved the world so much that he gave his Son so that we would receive him and all of his benefits. When you give to Barah Ministries, you make it possible for people all over the world to receive the gospel message concerning what's available to receive from believing in Jesus Christ. Be generous, just as our God is generous with you. You can donate in person or on our app or on our website at BarahMinistries.com. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with the offering message. Good morning. morning. Might be a little loud. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Bra Ministries. Bra Ministries is a worldwide Christian church where real people come to listen to a real pastor teach the real truth from the Word of God. And I thought of something this week just watching my kids run around the house because they always want to be first. If they're going to one side of the house or the other, it's like, I'm going to be first, and they're racing across there. And if they're getting a toy, it's like, I got to have it first, or I want to brush my teeth first. It's always a race. And it's always a competition. And so as, we, as we've seen the, the Corinthians and all their distractions and Corinth and everything they've been doing that, that divides them, um, you can kind of see that thing where the divisions are almost competitions. So it's like in life where you have a guy that's very fit. Well, oh, well, I'm, I'm the fittest. So now all of a sudden it's a competition between people and they're using their body. It's all about their body. And so they're in this competition to be the fittest. And, and so instead of being, you know, having any focus on Christ, it's all focus on self and focus on the body. And you can see that the same way with, like, certain people like rock star, you know, rockers and people that are into metal. Like, you know they're into metal because they're, they're, they're wearing the black shirt and they got their hair cut a certain way and they're tattooed out and they got gauges in their ears. And you know their body. Their body says, I'm into metal and music. And that's their device. That's their division. And it's almost like competition. I'm not just a metalhead. I'm the metalhead, you know. And they, they got everything they can. And you can see the same thing with, with women and even men, too, with, like, fashionistas. You know, they got their purse and their shoes. They got to have Gucci. And they got to have Louis Vuitton. And is that a Balenciaga? You know, and everybody notices those things. It becomes this competition that drives you away from Christ. It draws you away. And it, it's a more, more division between us. So you look at what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is indwelling you, believers in Christ, whom you have from God the Father? You are not your own. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6.20 For you believers in Christ have been bought with a price. Therefore, a command, glorify God in your body. So what do we see in the world? We see people, you know, I have to give them credit because you know where they stand. You know they're into fashion. You know they like their fit or you know they're like into their metal music or whatever it is. You know, if you see a, a car, you know they like NASCAR because they got stickers all on the back and probably a hat with a mullet. You know, I'll, I'll give them credit because you know what they stand for. You know where their energy is, right? You know what they put their time and talent and treasure into. But you know it's not Christ. And we see here in this verse, we don't own our body. It was bought with a price. And that's the, our body is a temple. So do you ever think of that when you first get up in the morning, like Pastor says? You know, you're picking your nose and, oh, you're looking at your belly. Like, we look at these superficial things, and we don't look at that our body is a temple. It was paid for with the blood, blood of Christ at the cross. And we don't own it, you know, so the least we can do is glorify God in this body, in this, in this time. And he's going to give us a new body, even better body. So why do we have to worry about trying to be the most fit or trying to be the most fashion-centered you know, or whatever rather than actually glorifying Christ in our body and let people know who we really stand for? And, you know, it's funny, I think of the little seven-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus and all that impact came out of one little tiny body. Out of nowhere, out of a nothing town. And it reminds me of Barah Ministries. Because we're in a nothing town Mesa, in a little building here. It's a beautiful church, but the best pastor in town. But nobody knows about us. Nobody cares. Nobody's, they're all worried about, they're probably all out working out right now. Or shopping online. Or some, doing some kind of thing like that. Worrying about getting their next tattoo. But not worrying about putting any time, talent, and treasure into Christ. And worshiping, and so we always thank you for coming here and showing your support for Pastor, for this ministry, and ultimately for the Lord Jesus Christ. And just remember that you know the, the most important thing is in life is the gospel, and for people to know it and not get wrapped up in all these sideshows of of spirituality. And so thank you for helping people know the truth. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. Floods, rocks, hills, and plains Repeat the sounding joy Repeat the sounding joy Repeat, repeat the sounding joy He rules the world with truth and grace And makes the nations prove The glories of His righteousness And wonders of His love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love Nat King Cole could flat out sing, couldn't he? He was something else. His daughter wasn't bad either, was she? <laughs> she was amazing. All right. Oh. There were words to that. Let me get that out of here.
There we go. The Broad Ministries Christmas lesson. Are you receiving or rejecting the Savior that God the Father sent to you? Now, it was God the Holy Spirit and not Joseph who got the virgin pregnant. I don't believe you had me. So I'm going to say it again. It was God the Holy Spirit, not Joseph, who got the virgin pregnant. It was divine fatherhood, not human fatherhood, that produced the uniquely born God-man, the only begotten one of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the whole world. Here's how Luke describes the whole phenomenon in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 37. We're going to use the Wiest translation on this. I love Wiest's translation because he is so close to the original Greek. Here it is. He says, Now in the sixth month of the pregnancy of Mary's relative Elizabeth, the angel Gabriel was sent on a mission from God the Father to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Luke one twenty seven To a virgin promised in marriage to a man named Joseph, of the house of David, and the name of the virgin was Mary, Luke one twenty eight. And having come to her, Gabriel said, Keep on rejoicing, Mary, because you have been encompassed with favor, a grace gift from God. The Lord is with you, Luke one twenty nine. But Mary was greatly agitated by reason of the words said by Gabriel and began reasoning what sort of an exotic greeting this might be. Luke 1.30, And the angel said to her, Stop fearing, Mary, for you have a grace gift of favor in the presence of God. Luke 1.31, And behold, you shall conceive in your womb, and you shall give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Luke 1.32, The next five things... The Lord was given by his father in return for the sacrifice of his life for us. The first thing, this one, Jesus, shall be great. And two, he shall be called son of the most high. And three, God the father, our Lord, shall give Jesus the throne of David, his father, during Jesus's millennial reign. And four, Jesus shall reign as king over the house of Jacob, which is Israel, forever. And five of his kingdom, there shall not be an end. Now, one of the things we've seen in human history is an attempt to wipe out the Jewish race. In the Holocaust in Germany, we will see it again in the tribulation period. There is always an attempt to wipe out the Jewish race. And what Satan reasons is that if he can wipe out the Jewish race, he can prove God to be unfaithful and thus not able to keep his promises to the Jews. Because here's one of the promises, the fifth promise of Luke 133, uh, of that kingdom, Israel, there will not be an end. You see, nobody is going to wipe out the Jewish race. That will never happen. And so, amazing that that will never happen for a lot of reasons. One, because the Lord made four promises to Abraham, but also because he will be ruling that nation in the future. Luke one thirty four. But Mary said to the angel, How shall this pregnancy be possible since I have not had sexual intercourse with a man? Evidently, Mary was biologically smart. Amen? Luke one thirty five. And the angel answered, 
answering, said to Mary, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. Wherefore also the Holy One which is being conceived shall be called the Son of God. All right, Mary had will. Mary could have said, Nah, dog. She had will. What did she say in Luke one thirty six? Behold, Elizabeth, continuing the story, and behold, Elizabeth, your relative, also herself conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of pregnancy for Elizabeth, who is called sterile. Elizabeth was barren. Luke one thirty seven, For in the presence of God, not a thing shall be impossible. Luke one thirty eight. here's Mary's will. Mary said, Behold in me the bond slave of the Lord, the 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week slave of the Lord, a believer in Christ. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Because God has an enemy, though, Satan, the ruler of this world, and a liar who deceives the whole world, some people are influenced into rejecting a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, we see a leader of the time, Herod, rejecting a relationship with Christ. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi, which are astronomers, from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Matthew 2, 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Matthew 2, 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him was troubled. Because any time the king was upset, everybody was upset. Matthew 2, 4. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Now, this is a group of unbelievers. Okay, This is a big group of unbelievers. And, and an unbeliever king, Herod, is asking them, where is the Messiah going to be born? Now, first of all, he knew that there was a Messiah. It wasn't the first time he had heard this. It's just the Magi brought his attention to it, and he knew exactly where to go to get the information because he knew what chief priests and scribes did, even though he had nothing to do with like, yeah, them uh, over there. But then all of a sudden, when he hears that there's going to be another king in town, all of a sudden his interest gets piqued. So gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born, Matthew 2, 5. And the chief priests and scribes said to Herod, The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, Matthew 2, 6. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That was so threatening to Herod. Everyone always has known about the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing at Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 to 12. So when then Herod secretly called the Magi, and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Now, I don't know whether you've heard this or not, but on December 21st, which is the winter solstice, there is going to be the great conjunction. Jupiter and Saturn 
are going to be so close together that they're going to look like that star. Jupiter takes 12 years to go around the sun in a circle. The next planet out is Saturn. It takes 30 years to go around the sun. So every 20 years, they are virtually next to each other to the eye in the sky, even though they're very far apart because they're on different circles. And then every 400 years, they come so close together to the eye that they almost look to be one. And the thought is that this great conjunction was exactly what had happened in the time of Jesus' birth, and that's what the Magi had seen. So, anywhere, anyway, you guys should get someplace cool on the 21st of December so you can see a phenomenon that only happens every 20 years and including a phenomenon that only happens every 400. Amen? No charge for that part. I'm lying. We will take a separate collection for that information. All right, Matthew 2.8. And Herod sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Yeah, right. Matthew 2.9. And after hearing the king, the magi went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Matthew 2, 11. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts fit for a king, gold for his deity, frankincense for his life, and myrrh for his humanity, which was a fragrance used to anoint the body of a corpse so that it would not stinketh, which identified him with his death. Matthew, the Lord Jesus Christ was identified from death, uh, for his death, from his birth. He was wrapped in cloth, sparangano, cloths that were used to wrap a mangled corpse. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now this made Herod mad. So what did he do? Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. And when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Matthew chapter 2, verse 17. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because her children were no more. That's what mean people do. That's what people do who reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So which one are you? This Christmas, are you receiving or rejecting the Savior God the Father sent to you? Are you inviting others that you love to receive or to reject the God that was sent to you, the Savior of all mankind? John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that Savior says this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the door of salvation. And if, third class condition if, 
if anyone enters through receiving me, maybe you will and maybe you won't, you have a choice. That's what a third class condition if is. If maybe you will, maybe you won't. But if you do, you'll be saved by God the Father and you'll go into the plan of God and you will go out to find pasture through the truth of the word of God. John 10.10, sorry. The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy the sheep. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd, came so that believers in Christ, my sheep, may have the resurrection life, eternal life, and have it abundantly. The choice is yours. Make the right choice. Be among the whosoever who receive freely the free of charge gift of the Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, Whosoever received him, to them the Lord Jesus Christ gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Christ's name. Or 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 15 to, 15, 15 to 17, put it this way, it is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I, Paul, am the foremost of all. Paul was the worst sinner of all time. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Yet for this reason, the fact that I was the foremost of all sinners, I found mercy from God the Father, so that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life the resurrection life. 1 Timothy 1.17, Now the King of kings and Lord of lords, now to him, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the eternal, immortal, invisible one, to the one and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Say it with me. Amen. Yes. Here's June Murphy to remind us what happened on that oh holy night.
job, Jim. A doxology of praise to our God, Romans 15, 5. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, to think the exact same way, operating in harmony, according to your union with Christ Jesus. Romans 15, 6. So that with one accord, believers in Christ may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, keep on accepting one another and keep on receiving one another, just as Christ also keeps on accepting us in unconditional love to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we thank you for letting us be here to celebrate another Christmas, for letting the whole world call attention to your Son. And thank you that no distraction that is provided by commercialism or the kingdom of death and darkness can ever obscure the light that is your Son, that is the life you give us, that resurrection life, that is your eternal plan for all mankind. Thank you for giving us the victory. Thank you for opening our spiritual eyes so that we can see the magnificence that you've made us, spiritual royalty, who have received him, the Lord and Savior, as our personal, deep, intimate partner, the one who wiped out our sins and created for us a life exceeding and abundantly beyond anything we could ever ask or think. And we ask you to keep empowering us through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. 
Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas.